Hello and welcome to episode 36 of Nerd of Paradise. I'm your host, Kate, and this is a very special clip show episode. So we're going to call this one Phoenix Comic Con Clip Show. So through the years, I've really enjoyed going to Phoenix Comic Con, which is now being called Phoenix Fan Fusion. It's been a great opportunity for me to get my nerd on and to actually get to interview some really cool people. So I wanted to take this opportunity to just showcase some of my favorite interviews I've done and even uh, publish a few that have previously been unheard. So stay tuned for that at the end. That's a few of the Star Wars authors. Since I've been podcasting for a few years now, it's a really good opportunity to showcase my progression in this media. I know it can be a little cringy when I go back and listen to some of the very first interviews, but that's all part of the process. Okay, so we're going to start with Phoenix Comic Con 2015. Back then I was doing a little podcast called Who Wars, which is a Star Wars Doctor Who hybrid, and I got the opportunity to talk to Yoda himself, Tom Kane. So we're going to kick things off with Mr. Kane, the nicest guy you'll ever meet. All right, I'm here with Tom Kane. Welcome to the show. Yeah, happy to be here. How did you get interested in voice acting to start with? Always been doing silly voices as long as I can remember. I mean, my mom tells me that when I was two or three, (laughs) I would try to imitate my grandfather's German accent and and he would cuss at, <laughs> cuss at the television uh, oh, you know, watch, watching a football game or something. He'd cuss in German and I'd repeat it. He, <laughs> he would just laugh and say you know, something along the lines of, you have no idea what he's saying. That's funny. So how did it become to be your profession then? Well, I, you know, I did uh, some theater when I was in middle school and high school. And I started uh, doing local commercials uh-huh. uh, in, in Kansas City when I was in ninth grade, just sort of. I was just the obnoxious kid who would call up clients and say, hey, your commercial sounds really bad. <laughs> Mine sounds better nice. if you need me. It didn't even occur to me that anybody got paid for it. So eventually someone took me up on it, and uh, I t- did a commercial. And, and then a week later, the ad agency hired me to do five more. And awesome. It just kept going from there. By the time I got out of high school, I'd probably done 80 or a hundred commercials. Oh, wow. By the time I got out of college, I'd done two or three hundred. So yeah, I know I could do the work. It was just awesome. what I needed to do was move to a place where the pay was better. So yeah. <laughs> I went from Kansas City to Chicago and uh-huh. stayed there for a couple of years and got established and then went to L.A. because I really wanted to do <laughs> cartoons. <laughs> Let's talk about Yoda. <laughs> yes. Yoda, we must talk about. I was one. well, I was going to save this till the end, but would you be interested in doing a Yoda off? What is that? Like, I do a Yoda impression. You're obviously the voice of Yoda. Yeah, well, I can do, I'll give you a couple lines. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's, we'll do that at the end. But did you always, like, kind of try to imitate Yoda, like, even when you first saw the movies? Uh, not so much. No. Just, you know, I, not, not in, in a particular way. Uh-huh. I, I just, you know, I mimic everything I come across. Yeah. You know, if it's even remotely in my range, I'll try to duplicate the voice. I mean, I used to, I used to walk up in the grocery store aisles, you know, uh, when I was a kid, uh-huh. and a teenager, and I'd <laughs> recite the commercials. Uh-huh. You know, so I'd, cool. I'd be in the cereal aisle going, Frosted Flakes, they're right! You know, <laughs> that kind of thing. 
good stuff. <laughs> salad dressing aisle, I'd be, you know, a sandwich just isn't a sandwich without the tangy zip of Miracle Whip <laughs> brand salad dressing. The bread spread from Kraft. You know, that awesome. So, you know, I, yeah. I, a lot, I, I was, I was imitating a lot of these voices, but not, re- not really ever with the thought that I would maybe be able to do something. Someday. Yeah. It was just, it was just a fun exercise. Gotcha. But uh, when I got in, in L.A. especially and Chicago before that and uh-huh. heard, you know, the, the voiceover people that were there, I was like sort of stunned because yeah. I, I was doing stuff that was as good as they were. Yeah. Be- be- better in many cases. So yeah. I was like, well, heck, if they can do it, I can do it. <laughs> That's cool. So when Clone Wars came out, how did you get that gig? Well, that one was... There wasn't really any auditioning involved. I was, uh, I had already been hired by Lucasfilm for ten or fifteen years before that to do, uh-huh. to do Yoda, uh, some C three PO. Okay. Can you do a quick C three PO? See my empty can here. Hello, I'm C three PO, human cyborg relations, <laughs> and this is my counterpart R two D two. Nice. So with Clone Wars, I, from what I understand, like you guys recorded the lines together is that right well most cartoons you record with most of the cast oh, okay. together. Um, that's pretty normal it is pretty normal oh, okay uh, it's, i would say 75 percent of all cartoon reads gotcha. are that, like that however that depends on the number of on-camera people and because there were some on-camera folks in mm-hmm. clone wars there were a number of record sessions where mm. one person might be gone oh, okay you know, two people. Uh, yeah. You know, anytime you use, especially on-camera celebrities. Yeah. They, um, it, it's, it throws a bit right. of a, it throws a bit of a wrench into the scheduling because yeah. if they're out of town on location or something. Right. You, but and I, you know, and I, I really, I particularly miss most of the uh, group sessions because I don't live in Los Angeles anymore, and uh, you know, it's just, it's just not. Uh, it's just not an option. I mean, uh-huh. I can't, I'm not going to fly halfway across the country right. to, to read right. five lines. So. Right. But the technology exists where I have equipment in my studio where I just start talking and they record it on their end. Yeah. The quality is the same as if I was there. So. Okay, cool. So what advice do you have for people who are interested in getting into voice acting? Just keep trying. You know, it's, yeah. you know, it's like any other business. I mean, if you, yeah. have, a, if you have a house that you've had for 50 years and it has some old plumbing problems and you've had the same plumber for 20 years and cleans up and he charges you a fair price the mm-hmm. next time you have a leaky faucet you're not going to get on the internet and find a brand new plumber right and that's the way it is a voiceover if they, mm-hmm. need, they need a few lines as a French chef they're not going to have an audition and bring in 25 people yeah. they're just going to pick up the phone and say have Tom come in or yeah. Billy come in yeah so it takes a while for them to start getting used to seeing mm-hmm. your face around auditions and Start getting comfortable with you and yeah. realize that you're really a nice guy, and that is and that's another important thing. You'd be amazed at how many people are just kind of not really nice folks, and yeah. they don't funny they don't work very much. Uh, but yeah, just be nice. Yeah, be nice and be talented and practice. Do you have any plans for being in Star Wars Rebels? Uh, well, Dave says he's going to put me in there somewhere. He tried to avoid um, using most of the cast of Clone Wars mm-hmm. um, unless they were going to be ongoing okay. characters you know, like Ahsoka yeah. or Rex um, Tarkenton yeah. uh, but the uh, 
Tarkin. Tarkington's a football player. Uh, <laughs> I knew it. Tarkin, yeah. Um, so, and I, and I totally agreed with him. I mean, we were talking about it, and, and I said, you know, I, of course I'd love to be in every episode of Everything Ever, but, uh, you know, you don't want to have the same six people doing every series because after a while you're, you're getting distracted as a viewer going, oh, wait a minute, that's also <laughs> the voice of, yeah. you know, whatever. Right. But uh, he said he'll plug plug me in That's cool. somewhere in season two. Or so. Good old Filoni. Yeah. yeah. Cool. I managed on being there somewhere. Doing? And I'm told, I'm, told yeah. I'm going to be part of the uh, um, so folks that do the, some of the, the, the miscellaneous alien voices and stuff okay. on the new movies. Cool. I do not. All right. So, do you want to hear my Yoda impression? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh, the dark side. Not bad. Not bad. After two days of talking, become. By Sunday afternoon, not sound at all like Yoda. I will. <laughs> awesome. All right. All right. Cool. Well, nice talking to you. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Tom Kane. <laughs> Enjoy right. the convention. All right. Thanks. Alright, so this next interview is a brief one I got to do with Kevin Sorbo, the guy who played Hercules. So this is from Phoenix Comic Con Fan Fest in December of 2015, and you'll probably be able to tell I was a little nervous talking to him, but he was so nice and it was a lot of fun. Okay, so I'm here with Kevin Sorbo. Right here. Right, you know, I'm hanging out, talking to you right now. That's what we're doing. That is what we're doing. Sweet. Sweet. So, like, what's it like to be Hercules? Um, It was uh, seven years of a really wonderful, fun chapter of my life, is all I can say. I had a great time down. New Zealand's beautiful. The people I worked with are great. Uh, The stunt guys made me look like I knew what I was doing. It was fun. (laughs) Sweet. So how did you get your start as an actor? Um, you know, I got the bug when I was very young. I saw I saw a play in downtown Minneapolis at the famous Guthrie Theater. And it I've was been there. Merchant of Venice, really? <laughs> yeah. I'm so, from, I was born in Minnesota. I'm from Minnesota. Awesome. I grew up in Lake Minnetonka. This one. Awesome. Yeah. And I fell in love with acting when I was 11 years old. So I started doing plays in school and college. I had a drama and minor and I just sort of pursued the dream after that. What plans do you have in the future? I've got a movie coming out next week called The Secret Handshake. Nice. People can get it on Amazon. I've got a movie coming in theaters in January 22nd called Caged No More. And then I've got another movie coming out Easter called um, Mary and Joseph. Ah. And then i got a new TV series called The Miracle Man that starts shooting in March. Amazing. All right. Knock what advice do you have for young people? Don't ever let anyone set your limitations. All right. Awesome. There Thanks. You go. Have a good one. All right, so now jump in your time machines and head down to May of 2017, Phoenix Comic Con. And I was super excited to talk to two of my idols. So one is young Harry Kim from the series Star Trek Voyager, Garrett Wong. I was so thrilled to be able to talk to him. I grew up watching Star Trek Voyager and I just always loved Harry Kim. So that was a joy to be able to talk to him and he's such a cool nerd he's awesome and then the other interview from this comic con was claudia gray who is an amazing author um star wars fans probably know her from lost stars which is right at the top of a lot of people's new canon and bloodlines and soon to be master and apprentice too so 
that was really cool to get to talk to her as well. So here are those interviews. Okay, so here at Phoenix Comic Con. Yes. How's it going? Uh, it's going well. So, oh, by the way, I'm here with Garrett Wong. How's it going? Oh, thank you for pronouncing my last name correctly. I've been uh. following you on Twitter. I actually just Yay. realized that with your, yes. with your podcast. Now, yes, now you know. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. See you later. So, how is... What kind of plans do you have for your podcast? Did you uh, decide on me yet? Yeah, we're still we're still thinking about that. Yeah. Um, it looks like uh, uh, "Live Long and Prosper" is is the nice. uh, is the favorite so far. But you know, well, we we don't the the issue is we we want people to know it's not just about Star Trek. So that's why I'm thinking yeah. maybe the Wong frequency or the Wong way might be better because then it covers more things, you know. <laughs> and I may just end my podcast by saying, and just remember, everyone, "Live Wong nice. and Prosper." That that's could be the tag. Perfect. So yeah. 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 So it's just going to be like it's going to be a general pop pop yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. That's my nerd of paradise is basically. Like I love that, that. nerd of yeah. paradise. Uh. So I do I do nerd of paradise. That's like a general pop culture one, mm-hmm. and then blah blah the hut. Blah blah the hut. Obviously Star Wars. Podcast. Yeah yeah yeah. Um, but I understand you're a Star Wars fan, aren't you? I am. I love Star Wars. Awesome. Yeah, huge fan. So what's that like being a Star Wars fan in the middle of, um, you know, being so famous for Star Trek? Well, you know, sometimes fans will come up and they'll see me wearing a Star Star Wars T-shirt and they'll say, "You're a traitor!" And I go, "You know what? You can you can love both fandoms. You don't have yeah. to be just yeah, exclusive just to one, right?" So and Doctor Who too. Yes, I mean people are complex individuals or yeah. beings, so we don't have to just like one thing. So. Exactly. Yeah. Very cool. Mm-hmm. So how did being on Star Trek change your life? Uh, well, it was the first big job that I got. So, um, and being on, let's face it, being on a TV show uh, as a series regular is a huge deal. I mean, it's tougher to get on an NBA or an NFL sports team you know, <laughs> than to get on a TV show yeah. like that. So, it changed my life. It put me on the map. You know, mm-hmm. people now know who I am, and I'm part of pop history or uh, for the rest of my life. You know, yeah. even after I'm gone, people will know that yeah, I existed. It's crazy. Yeah, it is nuts. So, yeah. you were doing a really good Kate Mulgrew impression earlier. <laughs> Would you, you mind know. doing that for? <coughs> Status apart, Mr. Kim. <laughs> it's not crunch time yet, Mr. Kim. <laughs> there you go. Awesome. Thanks yeah. so much. Um, do you have a good story from set? Oh, God. Probably a lot. Uh, How about a funny one? Like a really funny one. Uh, good story from set. Funny. Oh, uh, okay. About Robbie, because he was here. Um, there's one day <laughs> we're filming, and it's hot, on the, very hot on the set. And I noticed that Robbie, the, when the close-up came on Robbie... He only sweat on the side of his face that was away from camera. And I thought, you are the ultimate professional. You're able to only sweat on the side that the camera doesn't see. You're the best. Oh, so my gosh. I thought that was really funny. So That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, so when you come to cons like this and everything, mm-hmm. what kind of interesting fan interactions do you have? Oh, my gosh. Other than girls coming up to uh, interview you for a podcast. Well, I mean, the, the, the most interesting or the most rewarding fan interactions where people come up and say that Voyager uh, was something that helped them get through a difficult period in their life. There's a lot of people who were, who were going through times that maybe they were suicidal and they watched Voyager and that helped them um, find purpose in life wow. and meaning in life. So, so when people come up and say, hey, thank you so much, your show saved my life, that's quite moving, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, and that makes me feel like, wow, all those years I, time I spent on the set doing overtime and just, you know, working myself to the bone, it was worth it, you know, yeah. in order that someone else, you know, found meaning or merit or found something that they could latch onto that helped mm-hmm. them. So, that's yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. Very cool. 
So I kind of want to go back to Star Wars again. Go. Um, what do you think is Ray's parents? Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> who do I think are Ray's parents? Yeah. Jesus. Um, <laughs> well, I, <laughs> I would want to say that maybe. Gosh. Luke and Leia. <laughs> no, no, no. That would be horrible. Before they knew that they were brother and sister. No, I don't know. Just Luke and somebody else. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, right? That seems to be like the That's consensus. The consensus, yeah. But I think it'll so. It'll be interesting. It will be interesting. I'm, I can't wait to see the, the I know. Movie. It's so crazy. It's coming up, right? What did you think of Rogue One? Um, I liked it. Uh, I've, I've wanted there to be an Asian in, in Star Wars forever because it oh, just seems yeah. that the Star Wars universe is devoid of Asians and... Mm-hmm. and Yet they use, so or they they utilize. I mean, so much of the Star Wars universe is based on Asian principles. You know, if you're talking yeah. about the Force, it's it's, it's well, essentially the chi, kind of, the, the essence of the, the, the term chi in Chinese is right. about the energy all around you. Right. And um, and if you look at the Jedi, they look very much like samurai warriors. Exactly. You know, and they they use that all the time. Darth but yet, Vader. yeah, but yet you don't have any Asians in, in <laughs> the Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that Jet Li would have been an amazing Jedi. He should have been, he should have been the role that Samuel Jackson got, or something like yeah, that. You know, cool. yeah. Um, cool. But uh, you know, at least uh, they did have an Asian in the last one, so yeah. it's nice to see that. Uh, awesome. So um, I liked it, you know. But cool. um, I'm more looking forward to the next installment. Maybe you'll be in the next Star Wars movie. <laughs> That'd be great if that <laughs> happened. I don't know. I've got a we'll campaign. I, yeah, yeah. It needs to be a campaign, or I yeah, gotta, I got to kidnap awesome. JJ. Abrams. <laughs> Something like Very that. Cool. Right? Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, looks like you have some more guests. I have some guests there. But thank so, you so much. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for talking. Mm. So we're here at Phoenix Comic Con. I'm talking to Claudia Gray. How's it going, Claudia? It's going okay. How's it? How is it with you? It's going good. All right. So first of all, um, how is writing young adults different than writing for adults? Uh, there's not that much difference at all, really. People sometimes labor under the preconception that, like, oh, you dumb it down for young adults, which is the total opposite. You know, young adults still question a whole lot of things, where as adults kind of will accept some stuff as part of the genre that younger readers know, you got to back that up. So uh, really the only difference between young adult and adult is, I mean, the only really substantive difference is that young adult novels center the coming-of-age experience. Very much. Interesting. So that goes along pretty good with Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people, when Lost Stars was coming out, a lot of people were like, what do we have young adult in Star Wars for? And I was like, have you noticed how many of these movies are about teenagers yeah, leaving home? Yeah. You know, Luke, Leia, yep. young Anakin. You know, it, it matches, I mean, Ray. It yeah, matches up with Star Wars movies. pretty well, yeah. <laughs> All right, so... When did you first know you wanted to be a writer? I always wanted to be a writer, but it took me a really long time to get up the confidence to actually try it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, And then how has writing Star Wars changed your life? You know, I was already such a big nerd that I can't (laughs) really claim that it's changed a huge number of things in my life, I guess. I mean, I was already in pretty deep. Um, It made me really happy. Like, I felt like flying back in time and high-fiving my seven-year-old self. Like, good job, good job. Um, But it's been really fun to connect with the fan community in a whole different way, I guess. You know, I've always been a member of it, but I still somehow didn't understand the scope of it until I started (laughs) writing the books. That's awesome. So, Lost Stars was awesome. <laughs> Yay, thank you. I'm so glad you liked it. Oh, good. Um, so, what kind of research went into it when you were writing it? It's so expansive. It goes 
There's so much. Yeah, I mean, again, this is where a lifetime of having no life pays off. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I knew the original trilogy backwards and forwards, but I had to watch it for different details. You know, like, what shape are the windows on a Star Destroyer? You know, things like that. It's sort of trapezoidal, which is interesting. Um, you know, like, what what are exactly are the colors on the floors of things? You know, what kind of texture do the straps and stuff seem to be? It was stuff like that that I, you know, had never specifically watched for before that I sometimes had to pay attention to. But other than that, yeah, I was just a huge old geek. And, you know, and also it's great because when you're working in somebody else's sandbox, you can always be like, Lucasfilm, what kind of ship is that? And then they just tell you, which is great. That's cool. That's amazing. So you kind of talked about it a little bit already, but were you surprised by the fan reaction to Lost Stars? Yeah, I was. Uh, I really was, especially, you know, again, there had been a few people in advance of it who were not particularly kind about the possibility, but it was just like, you know, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. But still, even though I was somebody who'd always bought books and toys and whatever, I did not understand how many people write Star Wars. I mean, read Star Wars until I wrote Star Wars. I did not get that until then that's funny because um on my blob of the hut crew it's basically um a bunch of other guys uh-huh. <laughs> all adult males uh-huh. you know and they like it's just like unanimous everybody loved lost stars so it's so oh, that's cool. great that's great like yeah people's responses have been really good <laughs> and that's made me really happy yeah all right so how has carrie fisher influenced your life and how did you channel her? You've written for her three times now. Twice. Well, didn't she have a cameo in Lost Star? Yeah, but that's not really writing for her. Okay. It's like, I saw Princess <laughs> Leia. You know, that's that's yeah. about it. Okay. So, so um, yeah. Uh, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, Princess Leia, as played by Carrie Fisher, like, that was so much a part of my growing up and my whole idea of sort of what a heroine was that I don't even know if I can separate, like, oh, this is the influence she's had on my life like it's so big Mm -hmm. it's so huge I mean that was the archetypal heroine for me growing up and it's just inseparable it's inseparable from all of that I think I know that sounds like such Mm -hmm. a bunt of an answer but it's the truth you know I I can hardly remember a time when I wasn't looking up to Princess Leia so Bloodline and then the upcoming Princess yeah Leia Princess of Alderaan so those are two very different time periods yes they are and so what's your process in determining the traits of a character when they're in such different eras like that? Uh, with Bloodline, it was actually really fun because I was writing Princess Leia at an age only a few years older than I am now. Mm-hmm. So that was really fun, actually. You know, I had grown up with that universe, and so asking, like, okay, how have my viewpoints and some things that I've seen changed? You know, how much of that would be true for her, too, you know? Um, uh, and also just what is it like when you just are a little older? Like, you know, there's one part in Bloodline where she's just going, you know, she's running around in this action scene and she's like, this is easier when I was 19 <laughs> because, you know, it's not like I'm decrepit or anything yet, but running around was easier when I was 19. Um, you know, but just asking what that universe looks like through older eyes, um, that was a really fun thing to do. And then, of course, Leia, Princess of Alderaan, got to go all the way back to before A New Hope and ask, where would this person begin? Like, for her to be who she is by 19, where she's already a leader, she's already formidable in the Alliance, who did she have to be? Like, how did she get involved? Like, um, what steps would be part of that process? So that was a really, really fun set of questions to ask and answer. Uh, 
I can't wait to read. When does it come out? I think it's September 1st. It's Force Friday, whenever oh, that okay. is. Oh, awesome. Very cool. So with Carrie Fisher, unfortunately, mm-hmm. when we lost her in December, did that give you any ideas to put like a um, a tribute to her in your upcoming novel or anything like that? Not really, honestly. I'd already planned out the novel mm-hmm. when, when she passed away, and of course it was very emotional and it made writing the character I think a little bit more of an emotional experience for me than it had been with Bloodline but um it it didn't change the story because the story was about Leia right you know and that was going to remain true and consistent no matter what I didn't want to sort of tip the hand to this Mm -hmm. one sad thing that had happened I felt like it needed to be wholly totally in universe in Leia so it you know it affected me emotionally writing but I don't think it really affected the book so how does it feel to create new characters in the Star Wars universe it's fun obviously (laughs) it's pretty great um you know yeah you get to just Get, ask who would be there what would they be doing what are they up to etc uh you know because we've always wondered you know who are these people in the background what would it be like if you didn't know this or didn't know that yeah, it's it's a blast that's all i know to tell you uh and of course you know you have to make up so many people and planets and things that I end up rearranging all of my friends names and then they're all happy like i've done them some huge favor and she's like you don't understand i had to name eight planets today yeah, yeah. now your planet <laughs> that's awesome yeah so is there a particular one of your new characters that you would most like to see brought into another medium like a TV show or a comic book or something I would, like that? I would really love to see more on Ransom Castrofo from yeah. Bloodline. I, I really hope that's kind of not the end of his story in Bloodline. Um, I would personally love to get him out of trouble. If somebody else did it, <laughs> that would be fine with me too. Uh, but I think he's a really interesting character and could have a lot of cool stuff to do going forward based on sort of who he is and who he knows and the set of experiences that he has had in his life and especially in that book. Very cool. All right, so do you want to tell us about any current projects or new projects? Um, You talked a little bit about... Leia, Princess of Alderaan. Right, right. I'm doing uh, sort of little final note checks on that. Um, Let's see, I just released one of my original young adult novels, Defy the Stars, that came out in early April, which is described as Battlestar Galactica meets Casablanca. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and I'm I'm revising the sequel to that right now. Uh, And then, yeah, in the summer, I'm actually going to have some time off, which is nice. Oh, and then I did forget, uh, you know, in October, we're having the anthology of 40 short stories, and I do have one of those. Yeah, so I gotta I gotta write that in a heck of a hurry milk, right? is what I'm seeing. Yeah, uh, Project Blue Milk, <laughs> Operation Blue Milk, oh, yeah. Operation Blue Milk. Go. Yes, that's it. Very cool. Mm-hmm. All right, so um, do you want to tell people how they can find you online and all that? Good sure. Stuff? Yeah, um, I would recommend going to my website, which is claudiagray.com, gray with an A. But from there, there are buttons that will take you to my Twitter, my Tumblr, my Instagram. You know, wherever it is that you hang out online, it should take you to my portal for that. All right, so now we're going to jump ahead to Phoenix Comic Fest in May of 2018. And just a note that due to some personal issues, um, I didn't get to spend as much time as I was hoping. Um, But I did make sure to make the best use of time when I was there. And the last couple of years, there's been some really cool Star Wars authors at Phoenix Comic Con. And really cool panel by Del Rey with the Star Wars author, so... That I definitely made it to that, and I was able to catch an interview with Chuck Wendig, Daniel Halsey Older, 
and a special guest appearance from Delilah Dawson. And so just a note to um, Chuck Wendig is so nice. He was actually like one of the very first interviews I did, which I couldn't find the audio to put for this episode, but just keep that in mind. So I'll go ahead and play that interview. I'm here with Daniel Jose Older and Chuck Wendig. Hello. Hey, hey. Legendary Star Wars authors. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it on. Yeah, that works. Yeah, thank you. Sure. Yes, that's us. <laughs> so we just finished the awesome Star Wars books panel. It was really fun. When did you guys first realize you wanted to be an author? An author at all? Yeah. I'm definitely one of those lifelong story people. Um, I didn't know what form it would take for a long time. So in um, a lot of my 20s, I was doing more music, but I was kind of writing on the side, like here and there maybe, but never getting published at all. And then at 29, I really sat down to like write a novel, and that's when things kind of went that way. Uh, I originally wanted to be a cartoonist. Um, oh, me too, when I was, when a, I was kid. a kid. kid. Did you really, oh, it turns yeah. out that, that you require work to learn how to do that. <laughs> and I was like, writing seems like it requires less work. So I, uh, no, but it was around eighth grade, I, um, you know, I sort of started to read books, um, not just as a uh, way to entertain myself, but as a way to both, sort of in two directions, a way to dissect them and see like, oh, there's stuff going on here. But then also as a way to be like, I realized that there's like an industry, there are publishers, like right. you don't really think about that stuff as a kid, just stuff kind of magically happens to you. Books appear and you're like, I assume an elf made this in the woods. I don't right. know. Uh, so I, you know, I kind of saw that as a, a career path and I don't know if it was a viable one or not but that's where it kind of first set me on the, the trend very cool getting into the Star Wars universe like this um, have there been any fan interactions or fan reactions that have surprised you I didn't realize the depth of the Kylo fandom <laughs> oh yeah I got some I, it's of that pretty too, intense yeah. um, but you know much respect like it, it's uh, you know I don't think everyone has to agree and I think that's kind of one of the great things. And I would say, all in all, like the, the folks have been really respectful in their disagreements. Um, and it's been fascinating to just see the conversations about the different things that have played out um, through Last Shot um, and having him as a baby in there. I just didn't realize like just having him as a kid would set like a whole group of the fandom to be like, whoa, what's happening? We need to find out. And that was really cool. It was really cool to see them do that. And shout out to Star Wars for bringing in new characters that are that totally have their own... Thing, you know, in a franchise that's 30 years old, I feel like that's kind of incredible. Yeah, I know, I agree. It's absolutely incredible. And some of the fan reactions is awesome. The way that they take things you didn't even know mattered to you or that right, you were right. putting there as a little thing that you didn't think anyone would get, and they kind of run mm-hmm. 100 yes. miles uh, with it before you even know that it's, it's happened. So. Yeah. Well, I know you guys have some signings to get to, but right. I have one last question sure. about like audiobooks. So I know you did some of the narration. I did. It's and awesome. then, I'll, yeah, so. How did you get into the... Well, I did my Bone Street Roomba series. I did all those books myself, um, which was a much different experience because there's no characters that anyone has heard of or seen on screen, (laughs) so I didn't have to worry about how much they sounded like anybody, and... I had fun doing the Star Wars. So they just put my name in and I ended up doing um, the, the From a Certain Point of View anthology story. And then it was cool to just do a section of Last Shot. What I didn't know was that like the god of Star Wars voices, Mark Thompson, Mark was going to be doing <laughs> the other parts. So I was like, when I listened to it, I was like, oh my god. Like, I, I enjoy the sound of my voice, obviously. But next to his, like he is Han Solo and Lando Calrissian yeah. when he does so those good. voices. He kills it. So I just had a good time. But I was like, oh my god, this guy was amazing. And January Lavoie did the Lando parts and she's amazing. Yeah. So I was just like, hi guys, you know, I'm over awesome. here. Yeah. So how about you? How does it feel like when you do you listen to the audiobooks? Uh, not like all the way through, but pieces. Yeah. Um, I'm not a big audiobook guy. I've never uh, really been. It's one of those things that just doesn't hasn't yet clicked okay. with me. I mean, I don't I don't commute anywhere. I walk a minute to my shed, so it's like yeah, I can read. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, no, the production value is intense, and Mark mm. Thompson is like a yeah, he's a yes. he's a gifted human, and Kevin who produces them is incredible. Oh my god, astonishing! Yeah, sound, so sound effects. Yeah, they're like little plays. audio drama. They are a little audio drama. Yeah. And I will say that having been in the studio, the way that he directs is very active and awesome. Oh, wow. Cool. It is because when I did the Bone Street Roomba, no one directed. You know, it's kind of me, but I obviously never that shot. But it was really cool to have someone be like, try it like this, try a little more casual, try a little more this, and that was That's really awesome. yeah, he's awesome. Hey, what's up? It's Delilah Dawson. <laughs> Special guest appearance. Oh, you can come in. Oh, yay. Say hi. Thank you. Hello. <laughs> I brought you a present, Daniel. Oh, she brought oh. you out your hand. Yes. Oh, are you serious? <laughs> Thank you. Same dude makes them both. That's phenomenal. Do you, did you have a, a copy already? Do you have a pair of those? No. Okay, it's the Han Solo dice. I just went over there and... Thank you. This is amazing. That's I gotta go by work. I'm not on my porch. So <laughs> on, on live on the podcast, the live I know. I was glad to catch that moment. So awesome. Okay, so do you guys have final words about like Star Wars fandom, anything? I'm excited for the future. Like, there's so much going on. I know they're bringing things to a head. You know, obviously next year. But I love that. Like, there's just more to come, and there's more amazing stories to tell. And it's very clear that they're going to be amazing stories. Awesome. Yep, I agree. Echo that. that. Any words, Delilah? What to Star Wars? Can you do the, the do a pork squat for us? <laughs> All right. So I hope you guys have enjoyed this walk down memory lane. I'll try not to do too many clip episodes, but they are fun just to go back and kind of look at your past work and remember the good times. So I'm so fortunate to be a local Phoenix citizen and have Phoenix Comic Con right in my backyard. So I guess this is kind of also like a preview. Phoenix Fan Fusion, as it's called now, is going to be May 23rd through the 26th, 2019. So that's just under two months away, and I'm really excited for it. The two really big ones so far that I'm excited about are Billy D. Williams and Elijah Woods. That'll be awesome. And then, of course, you know, there's all the awesome art and all the awesome costumes and all the shopping. It's all super, super fun. So definitely, if you haven't ever been to Phoenix Comic Con, it's a great con to go to. It's massive and it's huge, but it is so much fun. So that's going to do it for this episode of Nerd of Paradise. Be sure to head over to nerdaparadise.net to listen to full episodes and even catch the occasional blog post. And also you'll find portals to all of our social media. Until next time, stay nerdy everyone!